0: There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Across the country this weekend, hundreds were arrested in ongoing protests over police shootings. You have North Korea, you have nuclear weapons. A story just now that's breaking over in Britain where police are responding to what they call a serious incident at the Manchester arena. Arena. What do you think I see? I see a band of angels. And they're coming after me. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Amen, amen. All right, you awake, you alive. I know you've been sitting for a little bit. We turn to somebody, turn to somebody real quick and just say, I was praying I'd sit next to you tonight. Even if it's not true, just go ahead and say it. (laughs) Hey, uh, like I said earlier, we've been in this series called Fearless for uh, a few weeks now, talking about how God would desire for you to live a life uh, that is fearless, to live a life without fear. And uh, we talked about fearless faith and how God is more present and active and more powerful than any fear that you face. And so that's encouraging to know that's the faith that we have. And then lastly, we talked about fearless truth and how uh, it is our tendency that we want to take uh, whatever it is that we have walked through in life and we want to hide it. And we want to stuff it away somewhere and never bring it back out. But, uh, and, and many of us refuse to go to God because his light seems to shine in the dark places. That's what scripture says. But there's power in bringing things from dark to light. And there's power in God shining his light on things, not to condemn you, but to ultimately heal you from that. And so there's power in confession. And so last week we had a little bit of a time at the end for you to come up and write down some of the things that you need to get real about, some of the things that maybe you haven't told anyone else about, some of the things that are just Uh, haunting you in the back of your mind, maybe some things that you walked through in your past, but you need to bring into the light to ultimately receive some healing in it. And so you wrote down all these things, and I have a stack of cards I've been praying for uh, all week on my desk of what you are walking through. And I just want to tell you that my prayer has been that that would be the first step in you bringing things into the light, that uh, writing something down kind of has a way of confirming that's really happening. And I'm writing this thing down that I don't have the courage to share with anyone or or I don't even have the courage to pray about because I don't want to admit that it's true. But writing it down is kind of the first step. And my prayer for you is that you would then take the next step. I would challenge you maybe for that thing that you would share it with someone. Whatever that thing was that you wrote down that you need to get real about, that you need to bring into the light, I would challenge you to share it with somebody. Someone that you trust to say, hey, it's time, I need to bring something out and I need you to help me walk through this. And so I want to share this with you and ask for you to pray and that kind of thing. But last week was the first step in that. So I would hope and I would encourage you to uh, take the next step in receiving some healing and some of those things uh, that you're walking through. But tonight, I'm excited to talk about the third thing, which is fearless love. Fearless love, which I believe is very important. But fear sucks. Turn to your neighbor and say, fear sucks. It just sucks. It sucks the joy from your heart. It sucks the potential from your future. It sucks the resolve from your conviction. It sucks the peace from your heart. Fear sucks. (laughs) And you must free yourself from it. You must commit to getting into the journey, getting into the battle of living a life without fear. But fear comes out in all of us in different ways. Some people are uh, so fearful that others won't like them, and so they deal with a ton of insecurities, and they battle this fear of what other people are thinking about them. It completely, completely governs their entire life. Some people are so fearful that God is angry at them for past mistakes, that they live in a, uh, a kind of a spiritual bondage instead of a spiritual freedom of resting in the fact that Jesus died for my mistakes. Some people are so fearful that the world will start to look different than how they once knew it that they develop a hatred toward an entire group of people. Somebody say amen. Amen. Some people are so fearful that they'll have a crappy marriage like their parents or that they'll end up being a terrible husband like their dad or a terrible wife like their mom. That they're afraid to ever love anybody for fear that it may turn out like what they've experienced. Tonight we're going to talk about fearless love. And I want to kind of go a a little bit more toward how we love other people uh, just kind of in our everyday interaction. Is not as much in like a romantic love, but it very very well uh, has to do with romantic love as well. But love, I got to be honest with you, love does not come, or at least like the feeling of love doesn't come super easy uh, for me. I don't know if it's because I'm a dude or maybe I just have no heart or or I don't know what it is. Uh, But it's not like I'm not a super sensitive, feely, lovey type person. And and my wife gets frustrated at me sometimes because of that. But I was uh, preparing this message out on the balcony of our apartment uh, this week, just writing things down. And here's just a little example. And out in the woods, I saw a squirrel. And my first thought was, I wonder if I could shoot that thing with a BB gun. Right? Like, I wonder if I could hit that. And uh, that's not very lovey, right? That's, and, and I'm not a violent person, I promise you. I'm not toward animals either, but, but a squirrel. I just thought, I wonder if I, could, if I could do that. That doesn't sound very lovey. I need to be more lovey. But I struggle, I struggle with uh, feeling like the lovey things. And so this is a part of my journey as well about learning how do, I, how do I love people the way that God has called me to love people. And so I want to look tonight in a passage in 1 John. If you have your Bibles you want to turn there, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, or we'll put it up on the screen for you. But we'd love for you to write that down if you're taking notes. 1 John chapter 4. And here's a little bit of context for, for this passage. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, this, this whole book... It's in the back of the Bible. Oh, man, I'm, I'm using my personal Bible, so I can't give you the page number. It's in the very back of the Bible. And um, it's, what is it? 1230 is the page number. You can go there. No need to uh, pretend like you're there and you're all the way in Exodus in the beginning. It's okay. It's okay. Just, just uh, there's no shame. Uh, but the context for this is this book of the Bible was written to a group of Christians. It was written to a group of Christians, and uh, at this time, there was a lot of false teaching, uh, a lot of teaching that goes against the the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the author of this book, which most theologians believe to be John, obviously 1 John, uh, the author of this book is writing to Christians, and he's saying, hey, you got a lot of people that are talking like Christians. They're going to church. But how do we know that they're really following God? What a huge question for us today as well. A lot of people go to church. A lot of people claim to be Christians. But how do we really know what are the distinguishing marks of a follower of Jesus? It addresses the question, how do I know if I'm a true follower? And how do I know if other people are a true follower? So I want to focus in on one passage that talks about both fear and love. It's one of the most powerful passages of Scripture, 1 John chapter 4. Verse 16 through 21. If you're there, say amen. It says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us, that God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Will you say that with me? There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Wow. Let me read that again. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Powerful words. Powerful words. I want you to write this down. Our inner world is either driven by fear or love. Your inner world, kind of your soul, your inner atmosphere, your inner being, is either driven by fear or love. It then gives expression in outer actions. So inner being then gives expression to outer actions. I wanna put kind of a, a little chart on the screen that may help you out a little bit. It helped me to just write some things down. Uh, The first one is this. Uh, I know it may be hard for some of you to read, but the inner atmosphere, your inner being, your inner world, if it's ruled by fear, it's ruled by things like insecurity, kind of an approach to life that's a scarcity approach. It's a a, uh, being threatened, like you're always threatened, very, very sensitive, just waiting for someone to offend you. But if your inner world is... Grounded in love, it's made up of things like security, a sense of abundance, a sense of confidence. This is your inner being. Now, I want to show you what these produce ultimately in your outer actions. Go ahead and put the bottom up. So fear, insecurity, scarcity, threaten, that kind of inner being ends up producing things like racism, ends up focusing on things like differences, ends up envying others, anger is a part of it, a a spirit of greed, bitterness, a selfish, everything is about me, violence, a sense of payback. I always got to pay people back for what they do to me, a sense of control. Now, I want you to hear what it's like when you have a foundation of love in your inner atmosphere. It's not racism, it's understanding. It's not differences, it's focusing on commonality. It's compassion, it's kindness, it's generosity, it's forgiveness. It's focusing on others. It's a heart of peace, mercy, and an ability to release things. I want you to hear this. Fear and love produce exact opposite things. So the question is, which one is ruling your inner being? Which one is ruling you? Love is a primary mark of a follower of Jesus. It's a primary mark of a follower of Jesus. 46 times in the book of 1 John is the word love mentioned. 46 times in this tiny little book in the Bible. I've spent years of my life kind of wondering what makes some people just, it seems like more natural at loving others. Some people just have, a, have just this persona or this countenance where they just love people a lot more easily. And what makes others really struggle at it? It's pretty hard to pin down, but I want to I give you maybe an example that would help. Um, let me pick one of these Lights right here. This is called a motion light, maybe? Sure. I don't really know. Uh, let me take this light right here. Can you see the bulb in this light? No, you cannot. How do you know that a bulb exists in there? Because you can see the glow, right? Is the light on? It's on, right? How do you know? Because you can see the glow. You can't see the bulb, but you can see the glow. I feel like I'm teaching elementary school right now. <laughs> it's the most easy example. It's the easiest example. No, like like I'm teaching myself through this. It's the easy example, but it makes sense. I don't even understand how electricity works. Maybe you do. Maybe you're an electrician. I took physics in college and barely passed it. I don't know how I passed it. I don't really understand something about currents and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand how electricity works. But I can tell you this. I know when it's working because I know the light is on. Therefore, it is working. It's the same with the love of God. I don't really know how to tell you if someone has it or not. I just know what it looks like when someone does. And it's hard to know if someone has the love of God in them. But if we're going by what it produces, you can tell when it's there and you can tell when it's not. Can't you? You can. And what John is saying in this writing here is that if you want to know who a follower of Jesus is, It's the one who has the light on. It's the one who is not governed and guided by fear, but it's the one who has been freed up, rescued, and restored to a life of love. If you want to know who a follower of Jesus is, it's the one who fearlessly loves others. They live differently. They love fearlessly. That's a mark of a Jesus follower. And if you think about it, this is nothing new. Jesus was teaching this from the very beginning, right? In Matthew chapter 22, the great commandment is is said. What's the great commandment? They said, Jesus, what's the great commandment? He said that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and that you would love each other, right? And then in John chapter 13, he says that everyone will know that you are my disciples by your Post on Twitter, by your stance, by what you believe politically, they will know that you are a follower by what? By your love is what it says. By your love. Let me just give you a side note. When love invades your heart, what you stand for is important, but how you present it is just as important. What you stand for is very important, but how you present it is just as important. And it's very frustrating to me to see people, Christians, who say, well, I'm just standing for what's right. I'm just standing for truth. Yes, but how you're presenting it is repelling people away from you. And if the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people, and what you are presenting or offering doesn't draw people in, but it pushes people away, I think there should be a giant question mark on how you're presenting what you're standing for. It's just as important. It's just as important. This is the vision of Jesus, that his followers would shine like light in the darkness. My goodness, I am late on time. You guys good? Can we just chill for a little while and keep talking? Okay. His followers would shine like light in the darkness. In a world filled with people driven by fear, Jesus invites us and empowers us to live in a different way. Not driven by fear, but guided by love. They would see his love in us, and they would know him through us was the plan of Jesus. It's the primary vehicle that God uses to extend his gospel. Listen to me. Evangelism does not work without love. Evangel- evangelism is, uh, kind of the definition, is the spread of the gospel of Jesus, right? It's, it's, it's getting the gospel out. Evangelism does not work without love. When I was in high school, uh, the church I grew up at, we did this program called Evangelism Explosion. Anybody ever heard of it? Evangel, E-E for short, because no one wanted to say those two words. Evangelism Explosion. And I don't know why I say like the explosion. And uh, so we did this program and I learned it and basically was learning about how to present the gospel, all the different verses that you use. And then we had this activity every Sunday afternoon, that we would do, we would learn the curriculum, and then we would go out in the church van, we would show up to a neighborhood, and we would go door to door, knocking on a door, and then going, can I tell you about Jesus? Right, and most of these people said, uh, I got cookies in the oven, I gotta go, right? <laughs> I got stuff to do, uh, and okay, see ya. Right, that was our method, and I, th- I think the creators of this program probably had great intentions, great hearts, that kind of thing. But the problem is, there's no way to demonstrate love when you show up to someone's door and just knock on it and say, let me tell you what I believe. There's no love in that. When Jesus says the greatest way to spread the gospel is through love, right? This was our method, and I just think this was a terrible method. I get to talk to um, other college pastors from all over the country uh, pretty often. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Say, hey, what, what are you doing? That kind of thing. And so the other day, I was talking to somebody on the phone who called me and he said uh he said, "Hey, what are like this is the stance he was making through the phone. He said, "What are uh what is y'all's uh evangelism uh philosophy there at C12?" I was like, "Or what?" He said, "What what is y'all's evangelism method? Like how are you reaching people outside of the church?" I said, "I don't know, dude. I'm not that smart. Like I don't like I don't Like, our evangelism method is that you would get such a glimpse and fired up about the love of God in your life that then you would go out and live and love people like he has loved you. And that other people would get a glimpse of who Jesus is and they would fall in love with him because you love them. And then eventually they come into the community of believers and all of a sudden C12 is a vibrant, growing place because you went out and loved people. That's our evangelism method, just so you guys know. It's you. You are the evangelism method. The the evangelism program here at C12 is named Chris. It's named Nathan. It's named Jen. It's named Amaria. It's named John. That is the name of our evangelism program. That's how we're reaching people is through the way that you love them outside these doors. Is anybody on board with this but me, or am I just speaking to a wall? There is no other way. There is no other way. I don't know. I'm not that smart, I guess. I don't, I, maybe I need to go get, like, a doctorate or something. I don't have a better plan than just going, go love people the way that you have been loved by Jesus. That's the way that we're going to reach people. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Encourage me. So let me, give you, let me give you three marks, three marks of someone Who has a fearless love? What it looks like when the light is on in someone's life. For some of you, this may be new learning, but for many of you, this is next level. And the question is not do you know it? The question is do you do it? Number one is this fearless love, risk, vulnerability. Fearless love, risk, vulnerability. You gotta hear me. Love is always a risk. Love is always a risk. When you open yourself up to love, friendly or romantically, whatever, you open yourself up to be wounded, to be used, and to be hurt. It is the risk that you are taking, and it is worth the risk. If your inner world is full of fear, you won't make the risk. If your inner world is full of fear, you will not risk it because you will be so fearful that someone will let you down. You will be so fearful that they'll stab you in the back, so fearful that someone will use you, hurt you, and most of the time, that fear comes from something in your past and it now dictates the way you love in your future. But if you are going to live a life that is ruled by love, not fear, you have to risk vulnerability. I was thinking about—I um, was thinking about my own relationship, and this is even weird, hard to even think about. But for me and my wife, I could be so strangled by what if my wife has an affair on me. What if she cheats on me? What if, what if, what if? A life of fear is often revolving around the question, what if? What if she does this? What if? And it will affect the way that I love her. I promise you that. If I I was gripped by that fear, I would never be able to love her, number one, the way that God has called me to love her. Number two, the way that she needs to be loved. Think about that. Not only are you hurting, not only are you being obedient in how God's called you to love, but that person will never experience the love that she was created to experience. So you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting someone else. You are missing out on the joy and the commandment of love because you're afraid someone else will mismanage the opportunity of love. And I get it. I get it. I'm just telling you, you are owned by fear, and you will live your life owned by fear, and it's not worth it. I want to read to you a quote that I just couldn't resist including in here by a guy named C.S. Lewis. <laughs> so let me read it to you. I think we have it on the screen. It says this, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable. Irredeemable. That is what will happen to your heart if you never risk being vulnerable. And you will live a life that God did not intend for you to live if you are so gripped by fear of what may happen to you. It's not worth it. Number two, fearless love acts with compassion. I'm gonna move through this. Fearless love acts with compassion. 1 John 3, verse 17 says this, says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? It's a strong verse in the same book that we read the first scripture from. Listen, love is a verb. It is good to feel compassionate, but it is incomplete. Many of us think we are compassionate because we feel compassionate. But according to God... You actually have to act on your compassion. It requires action to be compassion. And listen, this can be anything. This can be from you serving your neighbor next door. This can be you befriending someone at C12 that looks like they're alone. I love Trevor's story because if it wasn't for someone who reached out to him, he wouldn't be here today. Whatever act of compassion You sense that God is leading you to act on it because fearless love requires compassion. In a world of indifference, compassion gets involved. Let me give you a, a practical tip because most people say, well, how do I know? Like, do I help this homeless person at the corner? What do I do? Do I give to every single Compassion Project in the world? How do I help? How do I, what do I do to, to help people around me and to meet the actual needs of people? And that's a giant sermon that maybe one day we'll get to. I'd love to, actually. But let me just give you a practical tip for tonight, okay? God has given you, likely, an inner circle of people, maybe two, three, four friends that you surround yourself with. Practice with your inner circle. If you can't be compassionate and meet the needs of the people that are closest to you around you, I don't even know that there's a point to go out and meet the needs of people that you may never know their name or see their face or whatever. Practice with the people who are closest to you. They're right there. How can you help them? Compassion will reach them. And then number three, the final thing I want to wrap up with. Band, you guys can go ahead and get ready to come up, and uh, Sadie, you can come play. I love the keys playing behind me. (laughs) Number three, fearless love rises above reciprocation. I want you to listen. If, If you've tuned out, just lock and load with me for a second. Reciprocation is the idea that we must stand up for our rights and get what we deserve. Now, I want to talk to you as an individual and as you personally. Because this could go politically, and I don't want it to. I want it to go personally, okay? If someone is good to me, I will be good to them. If someone wrongs me, they deserve for me to wrong them. This is the law of reciprocation that I'm telling you is destroying us. It's destroying humanity. It's destroying our nation. And it will destroy your life. And this is not what Christians, believers, are called to live like. Not the law of reciprocation. It's the law of love. Fearless love rises above reciprocation. This is the operational system of our world, that I must get what I deserve, that if someone wrongs me, it's the fear that someone else will get the last word, that someone else will get the last word. And when Jesus taught us to love our enemies, what he was saying was, I got the last word, I need you to go love people. I have the final word, now you go love people. I want to read to you Matthew chapter five verse 43 through 47, just a few verses, and I didn't put it on the screen for a reason because I want you to just listen. It says this, it says, "You have heard that it was said, "Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sins reign. On the righteous and the unrighteous if you love those who love you what reward will you get are not even the tax collectors doing that and if you greet only your own people what are you doing more than others do not even the pagans do that love your enemies this sounds like a children's book passage of scripture right I remember reading this when I was a child, going, "Oh, that's cute. That's cool. That seems really nice." So when someone hits me at daycare, I just love them, and it's okay. Teacher, can you take care of this? But this passage gets very real today, doesn't it? This passage gets very real. How would God call you call you to love people? I want to lead us into a moment here in a little bit that I think is important. But I just want to encourage you that you are never more like Jesus than when you love someone who doesn't deserve it. You are never more like Jesus than when you love someone who doesn't. And love and fear are both contagious. But which one are you spreading is the question. They're both contagious. Which one's coming off of you? And I want to make a few comments tonight uh, that I think are important just in light of where we are as a group and uh, as a nation. And I prayed about this moment for a few days now. And I don't ever use this stage or this microphone to make a political stance or, or a, um, even a political view or opinion. I don't think that's why God's called me to be here. My job and my authority is to deliver the word of God to you. But I want you to know a few things. And uh, the first is this, that there are two giant two giant things hanging above our, above our head right now. And you have got to realize them to know what is going on. And the first is this. This is far more supernatural than most people are giving credit to. What is happening right now in our country because of what happened in Charlottesville. And and it's disgusting and it's evil. And if I, you know what, let me do this. If I had to take a stance for us as a community, just to say this is who we are, I want you to know that any kind of supremacy of one race over the other is absolutely disgusting and not of God. I promise you that. And we condemn it. I, you know. and, and that's not a political view. That's not a political stance. That's a human rights. Everyone is valued in the name of Jesus because he, was, he created everyone. That's, that's that stance, by the way. And what is happening is heartbreaking. But I don't know that you, if you know this, but it is far more supernatural than what we're giving credit to. And there's humans involved, obviously, and a lot of things happening and a lot of voices out there that you can listen to. But I think far more than anything else, we ought to hit our knees and pray. The Scripture says in Romans chapter 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'm telling you, what is happening right now is far more in the supernatural realm than we think. And the devil loves it. And I believe that it takes action and there's justice that needs to take place and there's things that need to change. But I believe the first requirement of us as followers of Jesus is to hit our knees and pray. To hit our knees and pray. And the second thing that needs to happen is this is you need to decide how you're going to treat the person to your left and to your right, how you're going to love the people in your circle. As I've been fighting through this and just different emotions and, and, and honestly some anger in my own heart, I've just been going, God, what do, what do I do? Like, I, I'm just a measly old dude here in Lawrenceville, Georgia. I don't, I don't feel like I can do anything. And it just reminded me, you, you can change the world around you. You can change how you treat people. I've called you to love all people of every race, every ethnicity, every background, every culture. That's my job. Listen, it is the government's job to put in policies and laws to protect us as a nation, to do things like that. And so I let them do that. And, and we as citizens obviously have a part to play in that in some realm. But listen, it is the believers, the followers of Jesus, the church's job to lead the way in how we love people. And that we will love people all races, all nationalities, all backgrounds, all people. That's our job, to lead the way in that. And I think as a group, as a community here, my prayer and my dream is that that would be represented amongst us. And that people out there are going crazy, and the world is going crazy, and some of it we should be going crazy because some of the things that are happening But the church ought to lead the way. People ought to look in here and go, the church has something figured out. That group in there is filled with so many races. I love that.